now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks for joining Year Round Carnival, where every Monday we look at the best racing in Australia, usually Melbourne and Sydney, but wherever there is stakes racing. Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals. Good morning, mate. Ralph, what a superb morning. Are we up and about in the cold, the wind, the rain? You love rain. You love any time of year, don't you? I know people complain about the rain, but of course, when there's floods and things like that, I understand. But just let's say normal rain, where it's a little bit something that you can deal with, it's fantastic to, to have a little bit of fall on you. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a good thing. We need it. Well, we had a little bit in Melbourne, a lot in Sydney, but before we talk about that, uh, last week we couldn't do the show because technical issues, we're ready to go, but we're ready to go here. I just wanted to talk to you about a fundamental because it's... Yeah, let's face it, in the off-season, it's always a good time to just do a little refresh. Now, at Caloundra, the Sunshine Coast, they had their fe- feature meeting there, and a horse called LaDonda V uh, bolted in the cup. Mm. Nashra Willow. It was good fun watch Vince, uh, you know, at the uh, $4.50. It was just never in doubt from about, oh, 800 out. What I want to ask you, Vince, was the way of breaking down a horse via its mid-race that gives you can give you such confidence going forward now when it won first up at uh at flemington in may and this was uh it, it was a it was a big win it shocked the market it was 81 dollars uh we put this in the sizzlers shocked the market and winning first up at bolter's odds for the ma eustace camp after 203 days away in a stable switch point one the 800 minus point one in the mid-race plus 1.1 last 400 showed he turned up pretty fit with even splits to record his second local win Nodi ran a close second, the Geelong Company's first local run, spring 2020, with 1.3 links above benchmark and won the Warnable Cup with 0.2. To do this first up is a great sign at this time of year. He'll take beating again, even if only holding this IVR figure. So he then runs nowhere, in quotation marks, at Eagle Farm before bolting in that race. What did he do at Eagle Farm that, on the clock, you could not possibly see in your eye? Okay, which which day are we talking about for Eagle Farm? So, so in his lead into that Sunshine Coast win, when yes. he bolted it, at Eagle Farm on the 11th. Ah, oh, yes, yes. Right, That so that was a huge prize money. I think it's called the Sky Racing. It was $1.2 million up for grabs. When we reviewed that podcast uh, reviewed that race in the podcast we, we were just laughing at what a what an absolute steal Tommy Berry had in front on New Merion and horses out the back had no chance on the race shape but what did Londonville do mid race because this is a real fundamental and and one thing that you've really uh, taught yourself and it's a, such a big fundamental in your IVRs yeah that well that particular day when you look at it it was a 15.6 length mid race squeeze which is just phenomenal, really, when you look at it. And from a plus point of view, you can go all the way back to its very first Australian start, and it had never done a mid-race squeeze anywhere remotely as big as that. Now, mind you, it was off a soft early tempo of 12.8 lengths below benchmark, which allows that to sort of come into play, where you can have a higher exertion between the 8 and the 400, but the the, the biggest advantage is the amount of fitness conditioning you get from that type of um, exertion is huge, particularly when you're in a, in a staying situation. So specifically at the 800-metre mark, 12.8 links below benchmark. So he's really crawling. 
what's he done in the mid race? To and and because I just want to explain to uh, people, particularly picking this up for the first time, what a squeeze actually is that you refer to. Yeah, so basically, we we look at where their position come to the eight hundred meter mark, and they're running, they're travelling twelve point eight lengths below benchmark. And then what we do is we measure between the eight hundred meter mark all the way to the four hundred meter mark, and it gives us the insight about whether a horse is accelerating through that four hundred meters or deaccelerating. We've found that that's the critical point is the 800 metre position where if you're not in that right spot, your chances of winning are dramatically diminished and it's all to do with what type of exertion you have to come into play with. And in this case, the horses basically, when you look at it, to make that massive move, you're talking about two and three quarter seconds roughly of high impact exertion from the 800 to the 400 it's 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 big it's it's and it's and it's a very powerful tool as well in terms of a for assessment for a few things number one if it's a negative mid-race exertion where i feel like you'll see this particular horse a number of his performances prior to those two starts the horse had actually been de-accelerating in a number of situations and not accelerating. So in this case, big acceleration, 12, 12.8 below to 2.8 above, and he sustained at home. And I suppose even though, again, moderate IVR figure, minus 8.4 overall, in fact, a very slow IVR figure, the fact that that that's then tells you he couldn't have done much more under those circumstances. Well, yes, the, the challenge, of course, always is with the soft overall IVR figures, when you race so slowly and you turn the race into technically 800 metres maximum, it's difficult to get a high performance figure. And that's the reason why the 8.4 ended up being that number and ranked 90th on the day, but it had a lot of merit. So I really want to recommend to our people to to, to get a replay of that race, uh, won by New Merion, and just watch LaDondeville at the 800 and then watch him to the 400. You tell me if you can see anything to your eye because you can't. He's out the back at the 800. He's out the back at the 400. But that's the benefit of, of just uh, of actual years of measuring of a data to give you the benchmark and that actually tells you exactly what he has done in the race because you can't see that just by visually. No, you can't, Ralphie. And it is a great tool for you to get better clarity around their conditioning levels. All right, let's have a look at a couple of uh, highlights from uh, from Saturday. As we said, pretty wet. When I say pretty wet, Ramwick, Vince, let's start there. How wet was Ramwick? <laughs> Ramwick, oh, it, it is sad, isn't it? <laughs> Just, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I can't remember a time like this, Ralphie, where it's just particularly Sydney's just continuous penetration of rain and heavy rain and obviously a lot of families and that have had to have difficulties in other areas but here we are back at Ramwick finding some challenges and from a track condition point of view the, the race opened up around 20 26 lengths below benchmark on the raw figures and I thought okay well that's not too bad but then race two we quickly got to see a little bit more it was 36 lengths below benchmark <laughs> And we peaked at around 41 lengths below benchmark, and that was in the mile race, race five. So towards the end of the day, and I always like to look at the end of the day, this gives you the real good balance. That cross-talks race, that was 38 below. So when you look at the the beginning, the middle, and the end, pretty much you end up in a, with a situation where that track I, – I was, I was forecasting around 40 – to 
hopefully was going to be inside 60, and it was well inside <laughs> that. So the, the track did race probably 10 lengths better than their bottomless meetings in the past. But this is still bottomless, Ralphie. This is this is definitely like a heavy 12. or I, I, We don't have a number, but it, it has to be more than a heavy 12. Uh, if there's a theme for the meeting uh, to, to put across, I, I, I like from a fundamental point of view, I like uh, your, your line here, Vince. Uh, uh, lanes don't move. So if we look at the track report uh, that you put out in your race speed profile Saturday morning, with rail out nine metres, leaders on pace have an advantage with 45% of all winners coming from this group in the straight. The inside three leaders are inferior ground with the best lanes being four to seven off the rail, eight to 11 horses off the uh, the rail is just twenty seven percent of winners. So when you when you scout wide, when the rail's already out, you, you don't get that advantage. No, unless you got really wide, like there was one runner, Ralphie, in race five. Yeah, where the horse got into lane twenty. Yeah, and that's again getting out so deep, you can start to get a little bit more advantage. And that was the only back mark that actually. Well, no, there was another back marker as well in race three that managed to win, and that came from lane 12. But all day, you can see the lanes are very clear, Ralph. It's anywhere between lanes 10 to 16, 15, where the majority of horses came from. In fact, actually, more than half the card came inside 14. All right, what can we tell us about why Ha-Ha falls? It was it was the impressive looking visually to the, to, uh, to um, punters there and, and justified the very short price. On 11th of June, we stamped him on Sizzlers, their Black Book product, point three lengths above benchmark, ranked fifth in the day, resumed with synthetic hoof filler off and a big PB from minus 1.8 Rose Hill, went second up last prep over 1,500, giving us confidence the trainer has him right and there's more to come. Minus 9.2 at the 800, went two lengths off the lead, minus point seven mid-race, plus 3.5 last 400 racing away. Last 1,000 was the second best of the day, showing the sustained run. Excellent wet track indicator of plus 8.8. So that was on slow ground. This was on bog-heavy ground. What's he been able to do? <laughs> bog-heavy ground is the exactly the key, Ralphie. Overall, ended up with a 0.9 above, best of the day, which was so tough for any horse to break benchmark. This is on adjusted figures. There's probably three impressive performances of the day. This was definitely one of them. And when I look at what it did first up to second up, it was fantastic to see that we've got elevation as well. First up, 0.3 above, fourth best of the day. Second up, 0.9 above, best of the day. What this also indicates is, from my perspective, Ralphie, is that this horse has definitely improved from last campaign. I would say a genuine two lengths better horse, which is fantastic to see. What well, also I can't help but feel with when you look at the 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 speed this horse has travelled through that first section in both races, they're sort of below the standard even from a wet ground conditions point of view, probably four or five lengths, and that sort of indicates to me that this horse is quite capable of hopefully being able to produce a performance that's in the plus two range or better. Well, that, that'll keep him winning races if he can yes. get, get to that, that's for sure. And uh, I, I read on RaceNet the the, uh, the O'Shea stable representative saying that they've had issues with him, but it just shows that there's there's ways of measuring from outside the stable door. I mean, you know, they know behind the scenes, but as we mentioned there, the synthetic filler was off, and uh, and that give, gives you great clarity when they can come to play first up. That this is a this is a horse on the rise, and that, that tells you that they have got the issues fixed. 
Yeah, and and the other big plus is you talked about the 8.8 wet track indicator. Well, that's exactly the indicator that it produced on the weekend as well. From from slow to heavy, yeah, so even, absolutely, even, even more so. Uh, I'll ask you about this man just because <laughs> she's just a beauty. She's nearly six years old, but last Chevrolet, this didn't come from nowhere. Twenty third of April, minus point four legs below benchmark, ranked third of the day in our sizzlers. Uh, we sizzled her first up uh, at Sandown, of course, because that was point six legs above. But the the point being that day, <laughs> let's have a look at the breakdown. Twenty seven point two legs below benchmark at the eight hundred with four legs for the lead, minus twelve point six in the mid race, minus sixteen point one last four hundred. So the overall IVR time was adjusted up fifty five legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fun, this, isn't it? Uh, so if there was one horse you knew could handle the wet ground, if it came to play and Edwards is my used to stable, it was it was last year for Lee. It was. And really, look, they had the hiccup at Morpherville for I'm not sure what happened there, but you sort of had to, I'm not saying take the horse too much on trust, but you knew that that wasn't its typical profile because all the all the performances leading into that Moorfield run, they've been excellent. Even the victory, like you said, Ralphie, how heavy is that? Minus 55.9. That's got to be like a H16 or something. I mean, I don't know. They need to come out with another classification, uh, particularly if we see these things continue on. And that might have also really flattened the horse, Ralphie, going to Moorfield. Maybe that was the main reason why it was just a really off performance. But back here, travelling 15 lengths below benchmark first section. Pretty cruisy for this horse, Ralphie, because its go-to speed is genuinely probably in the five to eight range below benchmark. I would even say maybe as close as three lengths below benchmark to eight is optimum for this horse. And here it is traveling 15. We take some consideration to the wet ground, but it's cruising. In the mid-race, that's probably the other big plus. Not really changing any gears, Ralphie. Pretty much staying very similar speed, maybe a length faster. Bit of a slowdown between the four the two that's the whole field and this is just the circuit just the way they were circuiting around with the really wet conditions and finished off strongly 4.7 lengths below benchmark for the heavy grounds good effort uh, speaking of Mar Eustace, a former Mar Eustace uh, runner, Taxu, won the uh, won the feature on the day, the listed, and it just fell in. But, gee, by the look at the data here, this is an inch-perfect ride from Glenn's Cofield, but also a big tick to uh, Joe Pride, just keeping this horse racing at his best so deep into his prep. Fantastic. This was, I felt, uh, one of the three horses that were a highlight for me. Another really strong performance from this particular horse. You have a look at the lead-in runs. Firstly, the Eagle Farm performance, you go back to the 28th of the 5th, it was 0.1 above benchmark, then went to Randwick and won that race 0.9 below. Of course, you do feel that is the horse going to improve, stay the same or go backwards? I My view was this, Ralphie, from that Randwick run, because they'd gone so slow, eight and a half lengths below benchmark, generally when a horse is deep in the campaign, one of the real positive signals that you can take out of when you're profiling a runner and tr- you know trying to get that clarity around does this horse have another run or not it's what sort of e- pressure and exertion did they have in that leading run and when they have a soft first section there's usually the high probability 
that that horse isn't going to go backwards at its next start. If it's high pressure, and let's say that they ran very similar to what it did the start before at Eagle Farm, where I'm not saying plus four, but even benchmark, then you'd start to be very concerned because that energy, energy depletion carrying into future races is going to diminish dramatically. And that's why I felt that there's a good chance this horse could hold that line. And it, and it did in the end. It was 0.8 below, virtually matching what it did the start before when winning at Ramwick. And it was a good price too. Uh, Oscar Zulu, uh, we, we put a big, no, nice stamp on it. And we discussed it on the podcast when it ran second to Taxu previous start. But is this a case that staying at 1,400 with the rail out, it's just too big a task to make ground on such heavy conditions? It is tough. It's never a, it's never easy to do that, Ralphie. Particularly when you're travelling at a certain speed like this, you're obviously the closer you are, the better your chances. <sighs> From a ground conditioning wise, I don't feel that the horse was negative. It's just did all that it could. The squeeze, when you look at it, nine point six length mid race squeeze. It's not like massive, but was top 10 for the day. So that, that that's high-powered under uh, the conditions. Let, let, let's have a look at Caulfield where the uh, – the, Bled, uh, the sorry, the John Monash was the uh, the feature race there when Believer won. How did uh, – firstly, before I ask about that, how did uh, Caulfield play with the rail out three and genuine overnight rain uh, that, to- that was topped up from, uh, from uh, decent hosing on the Friday? Well, interesting. The typical place where, as we know, Ralphie, approaching that 600-metre mark to the 400 – I won't say that's the dampest, but definitely the 600-metre point was the softest point on the course. It was around 2.5 lengths below. That, If I take that into consideration against the rest of the points, and that's the 800, the 400, the 200, probably ran race that genuine length further behind than the rest of it. So that was the softest part of the track. It is important. You've got a level of exertion, but I would have to say it was just in the genuine slow ground, but it wasn't, you know, like terribly slow. And rail out three metres, you still genuinely want to be on the on the horses up front, don't you? Well. Unless there's a big field and you can really sling out. Yeah, because it's hard to get out in those lanes, Ralphie, and the few yeah. horses that did that may have surprised the market, but they got out very deep, like the winner in the second came from lane 13. These things can happen, but generally speaking, it's not that easy to get out there, particularly in those ground conditions. Well, Maliva turned up but and won first up, and she did the same same track, same distance, Caulfield Cup Day on slow ground. So she wasn't hard to find at all. And, you know, on, uh, knowing your race speed profiles, you put a big circle around her. Um, and, and the market sort of went for her, for Ashford Street, and for the favourite Oxley Road. As it happened, she hasn't <laughs> ran a very big figure here. What can you put that down to? Well, the the big thing is what's happened in the mid-race, in particular, Ralphie, given it was the softest part of the track. They've gone out with reasonable speed through the first section. Yep. Around length below benchmark was that lead speed. That's not too bad for 1,100, of course. It isn't anything like when you're on that, you know, fast surface or good surface where you can run plus two or three. So when you look at it from that context, it's pretty solid. But in the mid-race, that was the thing. There was no change. They actually slowed. And when you have this scenario in a sprint race and you're slowing, it's so hard to rebound in terms of speed. And you're putting all your exertion in that middle part of the race where, unfortunately, it happens to be the worst part of the track. And generally speaking, the last 200, as you know, Ralph, is usually the fastest part of the ground. And it wasn't in this case. It was still pretty damp all the way to the finish line. And this is the reason why 
you look at the Raws, it's the Raws, the dead giveaway. There it is, 12.4 lengths below. And that's the insight. Unfortunately, when we look at what's that all mean, uh, ultimately, the horse, from my perspective, had come into the race very forward in condition. Yep. You can see it from the jump outs. They, you know, that was probably one of two runners in this race. You could see very clearly in the build-up that they were going to be ready to go. And it was really getting going to get down a trainer who was the better trainer. Now, when you look at these two trainers as a profile, Peter Moody, whilst he gets his horses, you know, rolling first up, he always has something left. He doesn't have them completely screwed down. Yeah. So when you compare, and this was Oxley Road, and you and you compare Maliva, Maliva was a lot more screwed down, Ralphie, in terms of being ready for this race. And I'm not I'm not saying that Stokesy doesn't have something left for the future, but the reality is that was the difference between the two. And, of course, in the running transit, when you look at the running transit between the two runners as well, it's very tough when you're travelling deep Yep. in very, very wet ground. Your condition's going to give out more, and you could see very clearly over the last 400 metres. See, the horse held its own through the first two sections. Very, very solid. Is this off the road? Yep, and then yep. You, you see the blowout over the last 400 metres. Horses dropped off five lengths. That's all conditioning, Ralphie. It was the one thing bugging me, Vince, because, you know, it's jump out, only 750-metre jump out, and only the one. And this horse has got a stallion profile, so what was its incentive of coming to play? Well, it's already won a, won a Group 2, so it didn't need to win this Group 3, whereas you compare with Maliva, who's won a listed race and a mare, so residual value, and we all often talk about traders in tender, or I'll, I'll add that to your data. And here she is. She's turned up. Uh, she's won a listed race twice, but for a value, a Group 3 is going to be much better for her CV. And she's now won that Group 3, whereas it wouldn't have probably increased Oxley Road's value. So less incentive to come to play first up, but to have a deeper prep. Yes, correct. And, yeah, well, I don't know what's it mean for where, – where, what would they target? Well, there's, a, there's a, a like in two weeks over 1,200. So okay. you're saying you expect good fitness elevation yes. from, uh, from Oxley going forward. Absolutely. It'll, it'll, this horse will elevate sharply from that run. And the other one, well, because well, obviously we've got a lot of deep racing to talk about, mm-hmm. but that then tells you, so what, why was Blesser able to get so close to the market? And it was spec 20s in the 17s, so good training effort there from Clayton Douglas. But uh, when I'm looking at the mid-race here, she's gaining momentum, whereas the better chances were losing it. Correct. Majority of horses were in the opposite situation. That's right, Ralphie. That was definitely a plus for the horse between the 8 and the 400. Uh, you know, in terms of strike zone, might have been, that's probably the outer area that you wanted to be in. And the horse had reasonable fitness, even though it was 49 days, gave it a chance to maintain some freshness in the horse, Ralphie. The reality is it had good residual fitness coming into this race, and that helped it as well over the last sort of two or 300 metres of the race. So what do we make of the three-year-old race? This was interesting. I mean, there was five 1,100-metre races on the day. This was the best of them. And I suppose from a you know a story point of view, the, the jaw dropper was uh, inundation, just shattering the market, getting beaten at $1.50. But interestingly, uh, I, I, like I'm, I, I study your data, put out my own work separate to you, but 
Gee, I, I reckon if there's one a big fundamental that I've learnt, it's that thousand meter races are its own universe, and you were only moderate confidence about it going in there too. So it's a different setup. Now, clearly the horse didn't turn up, but what I am saying, and you often say it, sometimes the best way to make money is to stay out. Wow, <laughs> it, it's it's a powerful tool. Tool. And <laughs> once you get once you learn how to get on top of that, you're going to have a lot of advantages for sure. But I'd say the big thing was that first section, Ralphie. As in they're going fast? Yeah, they're going well above. Like 0.6, of course, it's not monstrous. But for the ground conditions, when we look at – you just have to look at the helicopter view on the day. The reality is when you compare it to the other 1,100-metre races, it was clearly faster. Well, when I say faster, it was almost on par with one other race, and the rest were genuinely two, three lengths below. So that was the first challenge for the horse. The second challenge is – He's this runner who's been performing like best of the day in each of the runs, and now you're going to step up to 1100. Yes, the horse has got the capability of handling wet ground, but there's been there was a fair bit of taper in the last two runs though. A on the park track, that was two starts back, where you see the drop off from 1.7 down to 0.9. It's not a giant signal, but it's a little signal. I mean, coming off a reasonable speed of 0.7 below, but then you look at that Caulfield win going from 0.2 below benchmark first section and finishing off 3.6 lengths below over the last 400 metres. Well, there's, it's all going to get down to this. If you overextend in the first section, you're going to have more vulnerability over the, a longer distance, like going up 100. And this is your you know, part about what you said, 1,000-metre horse, the intel, and then how do you take that up to 1,100? Because it is its own beast, that 1,000 metres, and does have a level of isolation. And these are the sort of things you need to drill into to give you that level of confidence on whether you should or shouldn't. And, well, some people are keen. They love backing very, very tight horses because they get a lot of favours in terms of percentages but it stings when you get beat. It certainly does. 23rd best last 200 of the day it ran when it uh, when it bolted in at Caulfield. That's not much at the end of a 1,000. Now, you know, it wasn't ridden out, but yeah, how often uh, do we say that, uh, you know, when, when we say, oh, how much could that a horse won by? Sometimes not by a lot more. <laughs> not going for it. No, and unfortunately, just up to the 1,100, this horse has probably still got to learn to relax more and evolve, so it might become a great horse in another season's time. You just don't know, but the, that's the challenge. You've got to curve that speed. When you're going up in distance, you've got to be able to curve that speed. So trainers, I, I, I often wonder about their strategies. I see it so often. <laughs> when they got horses that aren't that fast, Yep. they feel what we can do is – if they're typically running at 14, 1600, oh, 100%. Let's go to 2024. So we meet a bunch of other slow horses, right? Yeah. Or they feel that they can stay better, but the reality is they can't stay, right? Yes. They're just slow horses. And it doesn't make any difference whether they step up or don't. The reality is that's how much the game's evolved. And in this case, when you've got these sort of horses that are so brilliant at 1,000 metres, and we've seen that like with Nature Strip, right? Yeah. How do you get them to relax? Actually, that's a very good thing. I should bring that up about Nature Strip, Ralphie, and like what had happened overseas, like how why it just smashed the competition, right? Yep. You look at what that horse did through the first section. We know one of the biggest challenges with Nature Strip, right, 
and how it's been able to get more distance, like, a, 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 you know, been able to travel out and be as dynamic at 1,200 metres as being able to relax in one of those two sections. And overseas, when it had that last run, it was travelling below benchmark first section, Ralphie. Now, now what chance... What chance would that have happened when he was a three-year-old? This is the genius of Chris Waller and what they've been able to do with this horse, isn't it? You would have absolutely none, right? And and that's <laughs> you and, and that's, could have been sitting on it and wouldn't yeah, have slowed it down. <laughs> correct, and that's the reality of it, right? And this is what happens with horses like this. They've got good scope for potential. I mean, yes, this is a borderline benchmark horse. So I'm not sitting there saying, "Oh, you're going to be the next nature strip." No, we're doing but, fundamentals. Yeah, but the fundamentals for the for this trainer is they're going to be looking. How can we get this horse to increase in distance, right? And this is the big thing. If and you've got to learn, get it. Teach it to relax. Now, that sometimes that comes through maturity. Other times, it just doesn't happen at all, and they just become, they just can't get them, to, you know, to control their manners through that first half of the race. And yeah, well, that's I'm sure the price and Kent team might be able to do that in the future. Well, I'd like to see a Moody Valley in the summer over a thousand. That's gonna <laughs> that'll be a bit of fun. But uh, at the moment, it's still a query if it can step up in distance. I'll just finish with this one, just for, uh, for something sort of the that was outside the uh, the data on the day. But this is where you're going to take into account A, market intelligence, B, blinkers, C, good jockeys, and D, uh, what what the market's going to tell you. Because Edison, um, yes. Preble goes on, blinkers go on, back in trip, and that was a real theme of the day. You had to be fit. So quick back up, back in trip from the mile to 1,400. And what this this was just a reminder of what a world-class jockey Preble is when he's got the mouth guard in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he won the, the race, and good luck catching him. And this was the big power move, wasn't it? Four point six lengths below benchmark. When you look at this horse's historical profile, obviously, this is a, uh, in hindsight now. Yeah. That to travel at that speed for this horse, it would have been absolutely cruising because this horse's comfort speed is somewhere between sort of benchmark to plus two range. Maybe minus one, but anything slower than that, this horse is actually gaining energy. And there it is, 4.6 lengths below benchmark. And didn't have to do a lot of work again in the mid-race, again, given the conditions. But I looked at the power down that the horse made between the six and the four. That change of gears right there where he chose to use all the energy, that won him the race. Because he outstripped all his competition in that specific move between the six and the 400. He's the only horse to break benchmark in that move. And every other runner in that race was at least one to three lengths inferior. So you've got to not only give the horse a head start, but then when the the rider makes his move at that point and you're actually losing ground against us, what are your chances of catching the horse and beating it? Obviously, they're dramatically diminished. And this says to what you were saying about that when Preble's got the mouth guard in and he's hot, that was a strategic move that helped him to secure victory. Last 200, 53rd best of the day. The horse was legless and so was everything chasing it. And that's what a good rider does <laughs> up yep. front. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no question. Um, now, if you want to see the breakdown of, uh, of this, you can get Sizzlers because Vince's IVR report comes with that as well as the write-ups that we've been uh, referring to throughout. Really want to thank our members. We do this because we've got member support. So if you want to become a member, uh, member via the right-hand side of my website, racetrackralphie.com.au. Yesterday, Vince, I sent out the top 
top five performances of the Brisbane uh, Carnival to our Group 1 members, and that's a good document going forward. Last year it was incentivised, it was Duar, it was uh, Zaki, so uh, I think it's going to be another strong Brisbane Carnival, particularly given we had clean ground at Eagle Farm and uh, so many challenges for the Sydney trainers uh, over these months, so wouldn't be surprised if the Brisbane form holds up again. I'm very confident that it may. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, all of Vince Accardi's work, uh, dailysexuals.com.au, including Saturday morning, his race speed profiles. Thanks for listening to the Year Round Carnival.